following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your 9-0 on Thunder Road, <laughs> Dave Ryan. That one's just to pop my co-host here. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, high spirits tonight? A lot of spirits tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> High spirits and just spirits as well. Um, I mean, look, it, it's not nine o'clock, but uh, sure. Look, we've we've had a lot of nine tonight, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are recording. This might be a very punchy podcast because we we've just watched the the football, which we very much enjoyed, and we uh, we have been imbibing as well. So this is going to be an interesting one. <laughs> um, but aside from all that. How has your week been, Val? Oh God, I'm trying to think. How has it been? <laughs> I can't get past the last 90 minutes of my life. Uh, yeah. Nah, it's been good. I mean, it's not an exam or something. You could just lie. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to know. I couldn't possibly tell a lie. Yeah. I wouldn't want to make Santa Claus cry. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's been, been grand. I'm fucking, you know, post-Christmas come down and... It's just kind of sinking back into normal everyday life and whatever that is at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, just in the churn of it now. Um, I felt like, I think like most years, January just took an age to get over with. Um, and now there's kind of like, I can not get excited for, but look to stuff on the horizon. Um, and just be kind of like, yeah, okay. Spring is coming. I think my mood will be held a lot more by when the weather improves yeah. like marginally. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's particularly cold anymore. I think the real cold snap has passed us by, thankfully. But it's still kind of, I think, every day the last it's week gray. or so, it's been lashing rain. Yeah. And even when it's not rainy, it's grey, yeah. So, yeah, there's there's that. But, uh, like, as the weather gets better, things will get better. Um, yeah. um, I suppose this month I have my a milestone birthday to look forward to. Oh, really? 21, is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of them that's hung up on age so like I don't mind like I'm 35 this year I'm fully yeah. fully embracing my midlife crisis yeah I often forget that there's uh, like just over three years between us um, in age but I'll make sure to rub that in a lot this month yeah listen um, go for it as I can <laughs> I think I've always been of the opinion that once you pass 30 you're just kind of old yeah that's <laughs> like not over the hill you know Zimmer frame old but kind of like once you hit 30 birthdays except in like every 10 years 
uh, like when you hit the round number that feels consequential but other than that it's just like another fucking year um, I've started doing a thing I never thought I'd be one of those people that when someone asks you what age you are I'd have to pause oh I've been doing that for years man yeah because you know when you're young you're like you because you know at this age you have access to this you become yes. obsessed with your own age in a way it's like uh, or, or in my case when you start going out with a fake ID and you have to remember not to say your own age yeah, yeah, and bouncers try to ask you your star sign to catch you out, even though they had known nothing about astrology themselves. <laughs> At one point in my life, I had three different birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> I had I went out with a certain um, age of my brother on his uh, ideas, who was five years older than me, and somehow I got away with it. Uh, <laughs> now, does your brother look anton like you? Oh yeah, well we did at the time. Now he okay. doesn't. Um, right. I had my age that I started working with, which was exactly one year older than I actually was. And then I had my real age. So whenever somebody asked me what age I was, I had to think about it for a minute and go, right, where am I? <laughs> Who's asking? Hold on, I'll ask the boys in the lab to figure it out. <laughs> it's like, anybody in work called you? Uh, and you have to cut your 17? arm off and count the rings. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, I I had a I had one of those. Um, I I assume most countries have a similar thing where like um, there'd be a, in Ireland it's the Central Statistics Office where like places like that will will call you with a bunch of uh, questions just to kind of for whatever survey they're doing and if you put up with the five minutes of the survey you could win a voucher for something like that. Well, I had one of those kind of consumer think tank things cold call me the other day, and this is where I they asked me what age bracket I was in, and I legitimately had to think about it for a while. Um, it's it, yeah, it's Listen, it was one of those moments. It's like ah, oh. you're not in the NXT age bracket yet, so it's all good. No, I'm not. I still got like some thirty one, so I've still got uh f- like three to four more years of being statistically significant for most <laughs> marketing companies and TV ratings and things like that. So uh, I'll, I'll make the most of it. Um, speaking of ratings, uh, th- this past weekend was, uh, I think, maybe the last sacred cow of, of WWE pay-per-views, the one they haven't completely beaten into the ground yet, uh, the, the Royal Rumble. Um you watched the Royal Rumble live. I watched the Royal Rumble live. Mm-hmm. Um, have you watched it twice? Because I know you were going to watch it with, with your son the following day. watched a little bit of it. He, he had watched it when I was at work, so he was just fucking not all that bothered by the yeah. time um, I came home. So, yeah, I, I stuck it on kind of as background noise at one point. So, um, What did you think of the show watching it live? I didn't love it. I've seen a lot of people yeah. praise it and like really enjoy it, and I'm like, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. Like, so, so I think rumbles are fun in in two circumstances, regardless of the year. I think they're they're good if you have a group of people, mm-hmm. like if you're in a group DM or usually you know pre COVID times. Um, you you can have people over to the house. Mm-hmm. I think it's always a fun atmosphere then, especially like I love. I love inviting over mate, mates of mine who are kind of lapsed wrestling fans uh, because even they'll get into a rumble and there's that kind of excitement in the air coming into well, it. Well, I mean, one tour to the field is now for lapsed fans at this stage, so... Exactly. Um, so there's a bit of excitement from that. And um, when I was watching it this year, I was on... We tried a Zoom call, mm. uh, me and a couple of people, uh, to see if it would improve the experience. And it absolutely did. Um 
the other circumstance is when you're watching it live, there's like a little bit added to it when you don't know who's going to win the Rumbles. I feel um, like I wasn't wild about this show. Um, but in the moment, I was having fun on the call and not really knowing what was going to happen in some of the matches. Um, but if I woke up and read the results, I would have absolutely no interest in ever watching this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's I, when I went into work the next day, like uh, a couple of the lads said to me, oh, who won the Rumble? Because, like, again, everyone knows the Royal Rumble. And um, they were like, oh, who won the Royal Rumble? And I was like, Edge. And they were like, what? Yeah. Edge, you know, Edge that retired and how? <laughs> I was just like, you, know, you fucking, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, the thing, the thing that bothered me so much about the men's rumble, um, well, two things that bothered me so much about what, it. The was it that there was, was no that, fire? Yeah. Well, the first was that it was it was uh, telegraphed so early that it was going to be your final two were going to be Edge and Orton. Mm-hmm. Like, it was laid on so thick that there was no reason to get invested in anything. Yep. Um, and then the other thing was something that I, I think Joe Lanza tweeted out today, where he said that um, Edge winning in isolation isn't a problem. If Edge wins in isolation as a nostalgia pop in a company where you have faith that they're creating new stars, which they cannot do. Yeah. And they have not um, done. Yeah. The, if it's a kind of nostalgia thing or you have a great idea, I'd be all on board with, with Edge winning. If it's like Edge goes to WrestleMania and puts over the new guy or something like that, you know. Um, but it's not that. It's absolutely a we have no fucking idea what we're doing, sort of. We might as well give it to him. And <clears throat> it was kind of like, I, I thought, the you know, the, the running joke is like, when in doubt, go to Orton. Because that's what they always do now that they don't have access to Cena all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of their teasing, eliminating each other at the very end where I realised, oh, it's not going to be Orton because he'll tie Austin if he wins it. Yep, and then they have to stop mentioning Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was... I, I Look, I had fun. Uh, I thought the, the, the women's rumble was fun enough. That was, yeah, it wasn't. I have to say, I enjoyed the women's rumble. It was good for what it was. Yeah, I enjoyed the, you know, I, I don't usually like a walk and brawl, but I enjoyed the plunder match between Reigns and Owens until the mm. finish got fucked. Um, and the rest of the card up just was what it was. Um, what was right? Uh, Sasha, Carmella, and Drew yeah. Goldberg, wasn't it? Yeah. Was there anything um, else? There was the pre-show match oh, that yeah, won yeah, tag yeah. team title. That doesn't matter. <clears throat> um, pre-show So yeah, match. it was like, it was grand. It's, I'm probably never going to rewatch it again. Um, no, it won't be high on the rewatch list at le- yeah. for at least 10 years. Yeah, but one thing I will say is that I don't think it ended up near, like, uh, James, he was tweeting the day of, I was like, how fucking weird it's going to be mm-hmm. with no crowd. And maybe it's because I was on the call with a few other people, but I felt like it wasn't as weird as I was kind of bracing for it to be. Let's see, I was a total degenerate and put a lot of money into a Royal Rumble pool. Yeah. So that, you know, certainly upped my interest and the enjoyment of us all, you know, kind of watching together and tweeting. Mm-hmm. Um, texting along in Slack chat or whatever. Um, yeah. So that, like, that that for me was what made it kind of more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, it's not, not a vintage year uh, at all. Uh, I want to put over, actually, seeing as I've just mentioned him, our good friend Jamesy, uh, as the first episode of his Boots and Trunks mm-hmm. podcast dropped since our last one. 
uh, and you want to talk about um, a soothing, lilting voice to talk about great matches and break them down in a way that only he can. Uh, Jamesy is your man. Yep. Um, what was he talking about? Oh, he was talking about the Holy Demon Army versus Super Generation Army from 6995. Uh, I think people may have heard of that match before, Lee. What do you think? I'd say so, you know, considering a lot of people can, you know, think it's the greatest match of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and I, I, I would not disagree with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Jamesy does a fabulous job uh, just breaking everything down and making me want to uh, crack out my, my All Japan folder on my hard drive and, and, and get back to going through all that stuff. And, you know, episode two should be, you know, all right, considering it's, you know, going to talk about probably the greatest feud of all time. Yes, it's Tanahashi Okada, isn't yes. it? He's starting a series by going through all their matches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's going to be something else. So go over and subscribe to the Boots and Trunks podcast, which you can find on the We Don't Know Wrestling uh, podcast network, and tell them the boys at Days of Thunder sent you. Um, I suppose, Lee, that's not standing ceremony. Let's get into our beers of thunder. And what have you got this week? Whiskey. <laughs> what <laughs> you know what I have um, I've sent uh, I think I tweeted out a picture of my Jameson ginger ale and lime cans that I have been drinking liberally since the second half of the United game began whenever that was a blessed night where you've got your Joe Gordon Levitt's <laughs> there ready to go um, happy out you're, yeah, your, I've done your the same tonight yeah I am I'm really tired tonight and I fear that like not that things will get like slurry or uh like uh libelous or anything like that uh, if I drink too much but it's more that I, there's a legitimate fear that if a whiskey and a beer I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> so I'm going to keep going with the gimmick of uh trying my whiskeys from around the world from the gift set oh, I got for yes. Christmas. What have we got this week? Well, this week we're going over to Japan for the Suntory Toki whiskey, uh, and that's one I've wanted to try for a long time. It's one mm-hmm. I always see in like airports or in the before times when I'd go into kind of the the fancy spirit shops in yeah. town. Um, it, it says, says here it's definitely a name I know as well from from being around the um, whiskey stores. Absolutely, it's forty three percent, so it won't blow my head off like the fifty percent one last week. Um, from India but this says Suntory is one of Japan's largest producers of whiskey as they own several distilleries the Suntory Toki is one of the new modern releases and is a blended whiskey created from Suntory's three distilleries Yamazaki Hakushu, and Cheetah it works great as an easy sipping whiskey to spend an evening with but the Suntory Toki also does really well in a highball a popular combination of whiskey and soda has captured the imagination of Japan so a highball is what we've got to order when we go over to the Tokyo Dome <laughs> in, you know, 10 or 15 years at this rate. <laughs> uh, let me try this bad boy out now. Oh, that's delicious. Oh, that was worth the wait all that time, my friend. Jealous. Very, very jealous. Yeah, it's smooth. And you know what? It's more kind of... um. It's got a it's got a really full aroma to it. Mm. It's one of those where like it's like it's like some very fancy potpourri or something. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't uh, you know that doesn't sell it to me? But yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's just just a real full aroma, yeah. uh, right right in the face, and uh, just 
just go, yeah, goes down uh, too smooth, some might say. Dangerously um, smooth. Yeah, I want to say as well, before we, we get into Thunder for this week, just we thank everybody that was in touch with us over the last two weeks uh, coming up with ideas for our blog. Mm-hmm. And we would uh, encourage as many ideas as you would like to put forward. Again, something that we're trying to avoid is kind of getting into the reviewing a weekly TV show kind of thing, like we're doing with Thunder. Um so much as I think I saw somebody on one of our platforms suggesting we do ECW Hardcore TV. Oh. And I know that like that pulls on the heartstrings a bit, Lee, because, mm-hmm. you know, we'd love to do something ECW adjacent someday. Um, but I think I think that's a bit much for our plates now. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe not right now, but down the line, you never know. Yeah, like it could be a thing where... Joe you know, again, just spitballing um, and like basically having a Days of Thunder staff meeting on the air <laughs> instead of off the air. Uh, like it could be a thing where if it was something that people really wanted us to do, we could not do like one article per hardcore TV, but maybe do like an article of the entire build up to a particular show. Watching the highlights, mm. something like that, a bit more condensed. You know, uh, it may shock people to learn we put quite a few hours <laughs> into this show. <laughs> As much as we try not to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we kind of wanted to be a nice relaxing, which is why we were going for something like the Takeovers or Clash of Champions in, in our kind of uh, brainstorming before. F- fun um, standalones that we, you know, there's no pressure. That, oh, we have to watch the show every week and yeah. stuff we can dip, n- dip in and out of. Yeah, but again, no idea is a bad idea. You know, even if it's not something we directly go with, it might be something that gets us onto the idea of something we really, really want to do. Mm-hmm. So drop us a line at WCW Thunderpod, or if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, go into the comments, or, you know, on any of the platforms we were on, try and get in touch with us. Um, and I haven't <laughs> I haven't put this shit out for a while either while I'm talking about comments on different platforms. Uh, wherever you listen to us, go give us a rating as well. Um, I know that helps with, uh, you know, people being able to discover Days mm-hmm. of Thunder for themselves. It keeps us in those kind of new and noteworthy categories in the, um, in whatever fucking category. It's been so long since I set up those feeds, I can't even remember <laughs> what category we go under on most <laughs> platforms. But if you give us a, a good review uh, and a comment on our on our podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on, it, it really helps us out, uh, as well as telling a friend to get those numbers up lee lee lives for the content he lives for the ratings so you gotta appease him here folks <laughs> um we I are did not hear now what you said heading there. into our thunder finally uh thunder episode 39 coming to you from roanoke virginia on the 5th of november 1998 lee we are creeping so close to the end of 1998 can you feel it yeah, it's crazy, like, just how close we are to actually f- completing our first year of Thunder after, what, nearly two years of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, prompt as always, we are. I was uh, actually talking to, to my wife earlier on about the podcast, and she was like, oh, you got to talk about the Royal Rumble. And I said, ah, we'll talk a little bit about it at the start. Said, we normally talk a little bit of modern stuff, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, did, like, she's like, but do you not just talk about old stuff? And I said, yeah, we do. We're, you know, we're still in 1998. And she's like, how? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what is, what is your other half's understanding of what we do here? <laughs> oh, th- like she understands what I do, like the, the podcast itself. And yeah. she knows the name of the show. Yeah. Other than that, 
she knows it's wrestling yeah yeah <laughs> my uh, the Emma is like uh, she knows she knows from when she used to watch wrestling as a kid what WCW mm. is she never watched it she kind of like she fell off at the start of the invasion uh, the invasion so she's heard yeah, yeah, yeah. of WCW um, but when I it, it it is a tough sell to explain to her and I guess to explain to a lot of people why it is not only rewatching WCW but the the show that's notable for being bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not something we entirely thought through to tell you the truth. Uh, but here we are, two plus years later. Um, and you know what makes it worse is we were sober when we thought of it. Yeah, we were. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> you know, we once we started, we got to finish. So uh, yeah, uh, one thing that I that I thought was funny uh, kicking off this show. Did you get a warning from the WWE Network watching this? Yeah, I was just I was gonna say like this is the first time we've got the. Uh, production difficulties intro yeah so yeah they said it's presented in its most complete form due to technical difficulties during recording mm. hadn't seen that before uh now it could be just that i was uh doing notes or it could have just been that they did a good job cleaning it up uh but i didn't notice where the thing was broken uh i'm, I'm wondering was it a thing where a bunch of satellites went dead and some of the show wasn't broadcast yeah, no, I, I noticed a little bit of um, dodgy picture quality, I think, just after Scott Steiner made his entrance in the main event. So maybe it was there that, like, satellites dropped or something, as you said. Yeah. He might have just been so vascular, he just popped the cameras. <laughs> he just br- wouldn't really broke it. everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tony says the crowds have been chanting, we want flair all evening. They are in horseman country after all. Uh, they want to extend this is a real timestamp for the episode Lee they want to extend congratulations to the new governor-elect of Minnesota Jesse the Body Ventura um, and it's no it's it's a timestamp for two things one because Jesse Ventura has just been elected governor mm-hmm. and two because this is when Hogan says he's going to be running for president yeah oh god this fucking thing it's gonna go for the next uh, god knows how many months isn't it yeah um. So yeah, Tony is handed a note saying that Hogan is going to announce his candidacy on Nitro. So thank fuck, we might actually escape a lot of it because we're watching the B show. Um, and fingers crossed, we do. We might just have to watch video packages Recaps and stuff. It. Yeah. Uh, what I did love about this was as soon as uh Tony read out the note saying Hogan was running for president, I thought Bobby's yeah. eyes were going to roll out of his head onto the floor. <laughs> he just is. I think exasperated is the, the best word for it. He's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. I have to sell this. Yeah. Hogan as president is like Bobby Heenan's personal circle of hell, I imagine. <laughs> like, that would be the thing he would dread the most in the world. I mean, listen, um, we just lived through Donald, so. Yeah, I know. How could it be worse? That might be your answer right there. Um. Lee, I love this this little bit from Bobby that he gets in a little jab because he has to. So Lee asks if Hogan was a Navy SEAL uh, like uh, Jesse Ventura was. <laughs> and he says, Bobby says, no, he couldn't balance the ball on his nose long enough to be a SEAL, but he is down to three pails of fish a day. <laughs> and I think Shivani just fucking, like, you had to make a joke, didn't you? Yeah. You laugh or you cry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get a multilingual fire-laden promo for World War Three. Really reaching out to the. Uh, I spotted Japanese. I spotted German. Um, 
Very unusual presentation. This this it's a world war. People from all over the world. That's very true. Very very true. They're really um, leaning into it, you know. Yeah. Um. And I wonder, the bar has been set nice and low by the 2021 Royal Rumble, so I wonder will that affect our review in a few weeks' time. Uh, I mean, have, have, have you ever Sunday. watched a World War match? Uh, not in a long, long time, and I have a feeling I'm about to remember why when I watch this one. Yeah, uh, I haven't watched this particular one in I don't know how long, but yeah, these fucking matches suck. <laughs> uh, our opening contest pits Canyon versus Barry Horowitz. Um... Canyon does his usual survey about who better than Canyon, and mm-hmm. once again he is displeased by what the crowd has to say about that. I, I uh, love Canyon's opening line of Canyon keeping it real in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a man! Uh, his rage at being told everyone is better than him allows Barry uh, Horowitz to get a lot of shine uh, after he recovers from Canyon's sneak attack at the start. Uh, Lee, the thing that really stuck out to me in this. Uh, admittedly brief match was like how much of this match Barry Horowitz was given like mm. it, it seemed really selfless from Canyon I mean that says it all about Canyon doesn't it like he just wanted to have a good match yeah this is Thunder and this is Barry Horowitz like if he had just snuffed him out with no offense in the same amount of time I don't think I would have batted an eyelid but you know aside from there's a heat stretch in the middle and then uh, the finish the flatliner uh, out of nowhere like yeah it's all Canyon selling Mm-hmm. So fair play. To be fair, it's what he's better at that as well. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable. Um, I I do love though that as uh, Horowitz builds up a head of steam, thinking there's a chance to put away Canyon, that's when he gets caught. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hit like a sunset powerbomb, and uh, he gets a near fall off that, and it's like, oh my god, I have a chance. Starts hitting uh clotheslines off the ropes, and uh, I think it's is it his second or his third clothesline? Third when he goes for him, Canyon hooks him. Yeah, hooks him, flatliner. Decent opener, you know? Yeah, fun, fun little match. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do love uh, kicking off the next segment. Uh, we have Lee Marshall shuddering at the thought of what an NWO presidential cabinet would look like. Um, Scott Steiner arrives with Buff, and I can only imagine uh, what position in a cabinet uh, Scott Steiner would get. Uh, All of them. You know, I mentioned him being vascular earlier, and this is like the most disgusting his veins have looked to date. Yes. He is huge. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know what's happened between now or this point and Halloween Havoc in like, what's two weeks? Yeah. But my God, the man is fucking ginormous. This man, like, might pop at any second. Mm-hmm. You stick a pin in him and he will burst. It is... And- this, this is the beginning of the Scott Steiner has lost control era. Yeah. Which was true backstage, legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they just decided to make it into a storyline. Yeah, he worked himself into a shoot, brother. Um, he says, four, in four hours, they went from the penthouse in LA to the outhouse in Roanoke. <laughs> Loved that line. Love it, yeah. He says he sees the sadness in women's eyes as they sit <laughs> next to their fat husbands and boyfriends when they'd rather be in the ring with Buff and Scott. Um, he it became a very lewd promo all of a sudden <laughs> because Scott finishes his segment by saying that he's going to give those women women the feeling that will make them hit the ceiling. Then Buff <laughs> takes control of the microphone and says that you may have noticed he has a new outfit and invites any woman in the crowd to come back and wrap their lips around his zipper. 
Unacceptable. No, he, he doesn't say come back, come around the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Unacceptably. Oh, like I can imagine TBS executives watching that and just fucking, you know, their monocles falling into their their wine glasses, you know. Just... Lee, Lee, I was watching this promo at lunchtime and it was, it was difficult to continue eating. <laughs> I mean... Scott Steiner with a line straight out of like a fucking Backstreet Boys song with the I'm the man to give you that feeling to hit the ceiling. I, it felt like fucking he had he was just embodying Joel Gertner at that point and no two men look more physically dissimilar but it was it was something straight out of one of his promos. <laughs> it's not a bad show actually, yeah. Um, Scott, er, is it Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott calls out J.J. Dillon saying that you can find him all he want. He, he's just getting started. Which I love. In one line, he just lays to rest years of WCW imposing fine-related storylines. Uh, being the smartest man in the room, knowing that the fines mean nothing. Oh, yeah. He, he doesn't give a fuck. Like, yeah. And again, I'd say that to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> he calls the wolf pack cowards. One of our favourite words. Mm-hmm. And tonight he starts taking them out by himself by showing Lex Luger who has the best body. And he's going to make Lex Luger fear him. Well, I mean, we all saw his bodybuilding trophies a couple of weeks ago, so... Manny. And the ones that uh, Rick has at home also. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We get a WCW Saturday Night tease. Uh, This week we're going to have Conan, Scott Hall, Rey Mysterio and Luger versus the Giants, so stay tuned. Um... Our next match, uh, Raven, who is uh, still despondent, still on a losing streak against uh, Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. Uh, while looking, this is right. This was the first time I significantly uh, diverted from the plan of just simply watching this match on the show, Lee. So uh, what I do now to kind of, you know the way sometimes you'll get, it looks like it's going to be a person coming out for a match and they'll get jumped or it'll just be a promo in their full gear. Mm-hmm. So the amount of times I've had to erase what I thought was going to happen and yep. keep rewriting. So now what I do is I have the card up on cage match in another window. Abu. And sometimes when I do that, I see what the dark matches are when they have dark matches. <laughs> okay. Okay. So while I was looking up for the, car- the card for this show, there was a dark match that features... A wrestler with my new favorite name in the world. It's not too tough, Tony. It's not. It's Chip Minton. Yeah, that's uh, Big John Stud. Big John Stud's son. So this is the, this thing. I knew nothing of Chip Minton. Okay. Right. And I thought, firstly, I thought this was a gimmick name. It is not. No, it's legit. This is this is his actual given name, mm-hmm. Nathan Chipminton the Third. Nathan Chipminton. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to take your Big John Stud thing at your word, because it's, it does not mention it anywhere here. Either his he's book. his son or a trainee, but I'm pretty sure it's son, because so he was a big guy. So he was no, he was trained by the power plant, and he was known uh, in his career as Chipminton and also Mister World Class. But do you know what distinction he has? This was the thing that I, I couldn't believe it. He was an Olympic bobsledder. No. Yeah. He was involved in the Winter Olympics in 1994 and in 1998. So, like, not long after this 
stupid dark match he had on Thunder, he's popping off to the 1998 Winter Olympics on the United States bobsleigh team. Maybe it wasn't Chip Minton, that was John Studd Sundin. Hang on. I'm going to have to look him up because... And he was a prison guard. Like, this is this is my new favourite person. And do you know what my my favourite thing about this is? Well, so I looked this up and I was like, oh, there's that's a shame because we're never going to see that guy. Chip Minton is going to be in World War Three. <laughs> no way. Yeah, so we can look forward. We'll we'll start the tease for Chip Minton now. I'm a Chip Minton guy. I am backing <laughs> Chip Minton to win World War Three. <laughs> Have you seen the pictures of him? Oh yes. <laughs> that man was born to be a wrestler. Does does it look like the man was born to be an Olympic level Bob Slayer? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just actually the the second picture of him, he could have been one of the baddies in Die Hard. Yeah. Oh my god. I I I had a lovely little tangent looking up my good friend Chip Minton, and he's still alive as well. Fair play to him. Okay, no, so, it wasn't Chip Minton that was his son. It was, yeah. John Minton was Big John Stud. Right. It's weird that it doesn't mention it on Chip Minton's uh, Wikipedia page. Sorry, I giggle every time I say Chip Minton. <laughs> we'll put and how he didn't uh, uh, have the ring name of Chocolate Chip Minton. I mean, listen, if he was in WWF, Chocolate Chip and Sexual he would have been an ice cream. Man. It would have been an Ice Cream Man gimmick in the New Generation era. Hundred <laughs> percent. Maybe you could have been the mentor to the lost ice creams in Chikara. Yeah, chocolate chip Minton, the ice cream man. It just oh my god, the merch prints itself. <laughs> anyway, there's a match going on here. Chocolate uh, chip is my favorite wrestler. <laughs> what I will say is that uh, seeing Raven all sad and downbeat while uh, Wright's Euro dance music plays is very funny. As a yes, juxtaposition. I, I love that as well. Yeah. Uh, Wright calls Raven a slob and talks about how he's clean, he's shaved, and he's got abs. Uh, Raven crawls over on his knees and hits him low to begin the match. You uh, you you missed the best part where well, Alex starts the promo speaking in German, yeah. and Bobby is going mm-hmm, <laughs> <laughs> and Shivani goes, "Why are you um humming about?" He's like, and Alex Wright speaks again in German. Bobby goes, "Mm-hmm, mm-hmm." And Tony's like, will you stop? You do not understand German. <laughs> Who does that? Taz does that as well, doesn't he? Yeah, anytime there's a foreign um, a foreign language being spoken, he's like, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, actually, speaking of Taz, you've mentioned him. Yeah. Did you see his Twitter promo? Oh, as I have. D- the super strong, super machine. As I dropped into one of our group DMs today, I'm like, I'm getting that t-shirt. Yes, I want it so much. But then I also saw, I went on to his Pro Wrestling tea store and he's also got an FTW established 1987 t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, I might get both. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You you see one and then you see more. and mm-hmm. But God, that, that promo was amazing. What a man. I mean, the fact uh, that he dips in and out of the accent yeah. <laughs> just makes it better. It's like Scarlet Witch. <laughs> Have you ever seen the machines stuff in the WWF? No. Ah, oh. so you are not aware of um, Super Machine and Giant Machine? No. So 
Andre the Giant was gone from the WWF for a short while. And there was yeah. a tag team called The Machines, which was um, Bill Eady, um Demolition Axe. And um, he was Super Machine. And then there was... I can't remember what the other one was called. But then along came Giant Machine, who was Andre the Giant. And everyone knew it was Andre the Giant. And he spoke in Andre the Giant's accent. <laughs> <laughs> but he maintained he was from Japan <laughs> and it's, it's just brilliant like proper like old school wrestling stuff and it's great and that's obviously where Taz comes in with this super strong suplex machine incredible so yeah what a student of the game that, that's a nice little backstory uh, for anyone that doesn't understand it about a minute into this match Lodi comes out to encourage Raven but Disco in the world's greenest shirt uh, <laughs> comes out to reprimand him the, the, the shade of green this is is like um, children's uh, TV show Gunge Green you know that kind of very Nickelodeon slime green. yeah yeah it, it just gross level of green um he goes out to reprimand him. Canyon then attacks Disco and right suplexes Canyon. Raven comes outside. The two of them brawl. Raven uncharacteristically goes up onto the top rope. He gets crotched, but he fights right off the top rope. I love that perhaps for the first time in the history of wrestling, a man who gets crotched at the top rope decides, you know what? That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> and he just gets out of the ring and he leaves. And that's when you get a good long look at the knot on his head, yeah. which is hideous how did they not show that like the entire time that he was sitting down in the know, ring man. what the fuck i don't know it it makes Jeremy the one that adam cole had on his head a few years ago mm-hmm. makes that look like no problem at all yeah now the one i always bring up is jericho in the rumble when yeah. uh tommy dreamer hits him with a cane and oh yeah disgusting um I will say, even though his knot was ugly as hell, his Silver Surfer t-shirt was cool. I knew so you were going to bring that up. <laughs> How could I not? How could I not? Um, Tony is in the ring to welcome Chris Jericho. Oh my God, his hair. Yeah, he rubbed the balloon through his hair, apparently. <laughs> yeah, because he, he looked like a pineapple. I mean, that's not what I'd go for, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say he looked like a fucking Egypt. <laughs> yeah, he looked like a fucking Egypt. He looked like a toilet brush. He looked like he'd just been electrocuted. You name it. And then the first thing he says is, Ralphus is the toughest man in this business. <laughs> yeah, the toughest man in professional wrestling. <laughs> he says he does respect Bill Greenberg. Oh, I'm sorry, Goldberg. And that he is a great champion. But he is a greater champion. He said that he's the champion of anyone with a TV and goes on like, if you even own a remote control, you're married to Chris Jericho. <laughs> um, he says he has four victories over Goldberg and he's going to have to deal with that and he's going to have to break Jericho's streak. Great stuff. Yeah. What a dork. God, like, yeah, I just want to see him get speared on Jackhammered. And that's yeah. like, and I think it's during his match later on that Bobby puts him over for being the smartest man in the business because he doesn't have to win matches to get a match with Goldberg. Yeah. It's great. Um, Fit Finley versus a returning to no fanfare Booker T. Yeah. How about that? I, I, <laughs> I did a full double take and like it was about a minute after he entered and the match had already started where they went, oh yeah, he came back on Monday. 
No, like, what the fuck? It was only like I, I fucking saw Finley come out and went out for fuck's sake, Finley. The next thing I heard that the, the uh, Harlem Heat music, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. how isn't this a thing? How haven't they made a big deal of this? And it turns out he came. Yeah, so he, on Nitro, he came back on Nitro. Yeah, and they just went, "Ah, oh, yes, Cahal attacked him." Yeah, so <laughs> what they're saying is that uh, Scott Hall uh, was discovered to have been the person that took him out in August because that was the last time he wrestled. Um, that also must have been a Nitro. Um, leading to the him being hospitalized mm-hmm. and having his uh, title seized by Stevie Ray. Um, so Scott Hall, Booker had discovered Scott Hall was the perpetrator of that assault and he wrestled Scott Hall on Monday and won by disqualification. Which is exactly what you want for the blow off to something like that. Um, to happen but again, all, all you wouldn't have known that yeah. because how long they took to get to the fucking point. And I don't think they even mentioned that they had a match, did they? I think they just very briefly said, oh yeah, the, he, you know, we discovered that Scott Hall attacked them and they had a match. And that was it. Like That was the extent of it. Yeah, uh, it's a physical match, but they're slightly, you know, on different pages here. You know, one, because Booker is just back and two, because, you know, Finley's not nearly as good as people think he is at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part where Booker comes off the ropes to do a, a rebound uh, diving forearm and Finley stops about a foot short. He just stops running yep. towards him and he still tries to make up for it and take the bump, but it looks awful. Um. But I'll tell you what doesn't look awful and something you always know the guys who have the, the mega star mentality. Booker T's gear is always incredible. Yep. He came back looking like a fucking... Like, I know we put him over before he was injured or whatever, but like you just look at the man. He's fucking huge. He's ripped. He has awesome, like you say, top-notch gear. He looks like a star. Yep. And I mean, his strikes and his kicks look fucking... Again, like just top quality, everything about the man. Mm. Scream star. Uh, Booker gets interrupted as he goes for a finish, but then uh, as he's thrown into the corner and Finley comes chasing after him to spear him into the corner, he jumps up, twists, and rolls up Finley out of the corner. Mm-hmm. Incredible athleticism for a man his size to pick up the win. And I love, like, I'd love if they established this as a thing that Booker does. He gets a flash pin every now and again. Yeah, uh, I think Bobby even has the line as like he can finish yeah any number mm-hmm. of ways. He doesn't even have to use his big moves, which is clever. Like you need to differentiate people on the show. Yeah. Um. The, there is a, a, an extended Conan praise segment here, Lee. Uh, that I I'd say at first may have ticked you off. Them talking about how great Conan is. Not, I've spiritual. turned the corner on Conan. I said it months oh. ago. Conan in ring is nothing special but Conan as a fucking star is over okay well you got exactly what you wanted then because they talked about him being the spiritual leader of the Wolfpack they talked about him being a childhood friend of Alex Rodriguez and then Lee something that we lamented missing out on last week Mm -hmm. they finally aired the Conan music video and it ruled so hard (laughs) this was Every single late 90s rap video you've ever seen. The Lowrider was there. There was a bunch of people in kind of um, really loose fitting jeans grabbing their crotch and rapping. Mm -hmm. Like it was was all the tropes. There was women surrounding Conan. Conan was cruising around with one hand on the wheel. 
the, it was great stuff. the scenes were cutting every fucking 10 seconds like Kevin Dunn was in charge yeah oh my god I loved it so much and hey what about the, the actual music itself I mean it was 1998 <laughs> we can leave it at that It it's kind of like if someone now who wasn't around in 1998 went to do a music video parody of that you know uh, it's very of the time mm-hmm. <laughs> we can go we can say that um i i i and, heard it i you know they introduced the song and the start listen like start playing on it that's the filthy animals music yeah <laughs> and i was like at and least we know we're going to hear lots of it in the future yeah and it's also not the last music video of his no it is I, not i think i and i think hopefully the network haven't cut them out and and we'll get to them eventually. And uh, to cement his status as the ultimate dad, that video ended and Tony goes, well, I liked that. <laughs> really selling it. T- Tony, like every WWE fan who went on Sunday, I like Bad Bunny now. Yeah. Our, <laughs> oh, our next match uh, was due to be uh, the cat with Sonny Ono versus Kaz Hayashi. Was it? The cat comes out with his usual... Tedious promo, challenging fans, says he'll take anyone from the back if the fans are too cowardly. Uh, I loved it when he says he'll take anyone from the back. Brain says that he should wrestle Ralphus. <laughs> I mean, um, listen, Bobby is all about continuity. Ralphus is the toughest man in the business. Indeed. Kaz runs out before the match even begins. The lights go out and Glacier returns. I mean, what a, what a fucking show for comebacks. First Booker, now Glacier. I mean, he got way more fanfare than Booker did. He got the snow. <laughs> yeah, he got the snow. Fucking Sting was watching his Glacier tapes for his AEW run. <laughs> Do you know what happened there? Tony Khan was like talking to Sting. He's like, listen, I have this great idea. I was watching Thunder and I saw a Glacier come back. And there was snow yeah. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... I so I love so much about this. I love that for some reason Glacier of all people gets the big uh, pyro and ballyhoo return. Uh, I love the snow. Uh, I love the fact that for some reason it's the continuation of the Blood Runs Cold Angle mm-hmm. that no one asked for. Um, They're gonna keep trying. I I love that um, Kaz appeared to have vanished, and then when the lights come up, you see that he's just mysteriously dead on the ground. Yeah, no, he was dead when Glacier when the lights came up. <laughs> Yeah, the two of them do karate poses for about 20 seconds and then Glacier, after doing karate poses, says he's not here to fight him. He says that WCW aren't going to give a chance to guys like them, that they're karate men, which I loved. So Ethan Page watching his Glacier tapes as well. Um, He says he needs someone to watch his back and that he is that guy. Uh, Cat, absolutely not interested because he is in fact the greatest that he doesn't need anybody and that's the end of the segment for this week but uh, I think this is going to continue <laughs> I mean listen like you said nobody asked for this but for some reason it'll just keep going speaking of matches nobody asked for we have Horace Hogan with Vincent Norton and Stevie Ray in his corner versus Norman Smiley in a blink and you'll miss it squash match did you miss um, during Horace's entrance when they all get to the ring Norman and Scott Norton shake hands. Oh, do they? Yeah. Game respects game, man. That's And I was just like, surely they could have done that backstage, you know, not in front of fans. 
Yeah, that's weird. The thing I noticed during the entrance was Horace holding the NWO belt upside down. Oh, Horace's NWO belt. Yeah. I mean, he bought it off Wish, didn't he? Uh, he, did, he 100% did. Or he painted it himself in the garage. <laughs> it's so cheap looking. He won with what I think was supposed to be a brain buster, but just looked like a really bad suplex. Training school yeah. vertical suplex. Yeah. It was awful. I mean, Horace just isn't good. I love that, like, the the commentators could not have been less fucked about this finish. Tony says something like, oh, he, he won with that move. <laughs> I mean... And then the the dorks get in the ring and celebrate with him like he just won the world title. I mean, Norman Smiley has not been pushed as anything special at all. So, like, when he gets beaten, why should anyone care? No. And there was no even... There was nothing in the match that made you think that this was going to be his big move. He just did the move and won. <laughs> Yeah, that like that was it. He did like the worst uh, release German suplex you'll ever see, and then just picked him up for this brain buster maneuver. Yeah, you know how like if you're a if you're like a new singles guy and you're trying to get a finish over, mm-hmm. you you telegraph it for a while, like you 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 know, you tune up the band like Shawn Michaels and that until it's over, and then people understand the move as a big move when you start finishing guys with it. Then, mm-hmm. um, but this had none of that. Like he finished him, but everyone was like, oh, all right. People, thankfully, people just went about their day. Thankfully, nextly, we had a brief oasis as Eddie Guerrero went to battle with Rey Mysterio Jr. And for nine minutes, I was in heaven. Yep, I mean, out of nowhere, this just appears on the show. Mm-hmm. Eddie and his scowl show up. And then I hear this music and I'm like, I recognise that music. The chill vibes. And I was just like, oh my god, it's Ray Jr. And I mean, why they would put this match with this state, with these stakes on this show. with In the middle of the show. With no hype. Yeah. I mean, it just shows how little they cared about Eddie and Ray. Yeah. Um. So Eddie says if he wins, Ray has to join the LWO because he has denied them twice before, you might remember. And the golden rule is obviously if you turn them down twice, you must have a match. Yeah. Uh, Ray says uh, he's offered the chance he can do it the hard way or he can do it the easy way. Ray says, okay, he'll do it the hard way uh, and decks him. Uh, staggeringly, Ray is only 23 years old here. And this is just, as we said, blissful pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. The best underdog babyface in the world versus the slimiest shithead heel in the world. And I just, I barely took any notes, as often happens during the, the, the great matches, yeah. the great chemistry matches like this. Ray hit a, like a crazy cannonball dive to the outside and starts limping and selling the leg. This had, like this had every, not only was it Eddie and Ray, but it had, uh, you know, we mentioned him already, our good friend James. Mm-hmm. He was some quality working of the limb and selling of the limb in this. Um, I I, so I think the, it's like the, the, the horrid move in the match is like um, Eddie backdrops Ray to the outside but Ray yeah. hangs on like, like it's a Royal Rumble and in one fluid motion rewinds into a head scissors and Bobby Heenan is just like oh my god yeah <laughs> it's just so, great stuff like once he hits the cannonball dive he immediately holds the leg starts favouring it starts limping commentary not not gonna miss that. Mm-hmm. They start selling the knee injury as well as Ray himself selling the injury. 
Eddie, of course, true to form, smells blood in the water and viciously goes after the knee, uh, throwing strikes and unstrapping the brace. Eddie then I, puts him in a fucking gnarly submission. I love that they put over. I mean, you know, they're like, you know, the brace is there and he's had this injury and while Eddie's working over the knee, but as soon as Eddie takes off the brace, they're like, oh, oh this isn't good. This, like, he could get seriously hurt here. And they really yeah. put over that, like, having the brace not on the knee is just such a big thing. The, uh, so as he's putting on this mission, the LWO comes out in advance to celebrate. The bell rings. LWO thinks Eddie won. They start celebrating. But it turn, it transpires that the time limit had in fact uh, expired. Uh, I don't know about this finish, Lee. I, I like, in the right circumstance, a time limit draw is really cool. But in a company that doesn't make a big deal out of time limits ever, mm-hmm. it feels like... If this happens in AEW where they specify, you know, the TV time remaining and stuff like that all the time and you do get time limit draws, it would have been excellent. Yeah. But it feels just like they couldn't think of another way out of this match sort of thing. And the fact it was a 10 minute time limit didn't help. Yeah. And that not only was it a 10 minute time limit, but it went nine minutes and five <laughs> seconds. I mean, look, it's um, WCW. Yeah. Uh, the LWO want to attack, but Eddie holds them off. So that's that's baiting an interesting hook is that he doesn't want them to attack Ray just yet he still thinks he can talk him over uh, it, it's interesting like the whole thing is like Eddie gets all these loose doors to join and it's all very easy but yeah. the one he ultimately respects the most is the one he can't have yeah. and it's just like little layered stuff like that yeah it's surprisingly great storytelling mm-hmm. for this company uh, next up Prince Ikea the flat pack sovereign takes on Jericho for the TV title battle of dodgy haircuts here um i have absolutely nothing to say no, about this uh, match fucking pedestrian forgettable ikea gets worse that's what i like he gets worse and he gets beaten again <laughs> um jericho was taking none of his shit in this match i think every yeah. time ikea got on top jericho just cut him off just because he wanted it not because you know <laughs> it called for it. i think he was just having none of his shit in this yeah, it's like earlier we talked about Canyon being so generous and giving loads of the match to Barry Horowitz. Uh, I imagine a conversation took place backstage where the entire uh, concept of selling for Prince Ikea was met with a from Jericho. It's one, and, you know, rightfully so. It's one of those things where I'd love to ask Jericho on Twitter like what he thought of working with Ikea. Yeah. It, it really seems, especially since he came back, that people just aren't having a good time in there no. with him. I mean, we're not having a um, good time watching him, so... Certainly not. Um, Next up, we have Disco versus Scott Hall with the B-team in tow. Disco Inferno, on this night, the smartest man in the company, he says, I am not getting in mm-hmm. the ring with all those guys there. <laughs> and he starts to leave. And I love that he, he makes a point of twice... Not once, but twice, counting with his finger in the air, yeah. going one, two, three, four, five. I'm not doing it. And I he does this. it again. Because <laughs> he's essentially calling out the bullshit of the referees. Because it's like, how is this allowed to happen so often? Mm-hmm. You know, get your shit in gear. So as he's backing up the ramp, unfortunately, he walks backwards into the giant, who uh, takes liberties and throws him back into the ring. Um, it starts off like a squash. You get a brief moment of fire where Disco tries to fight back, but as he hits the ropes, he gets tripped by, I think it's Scott Norton. I think Norton. it is Norton, yeah. And outsider edge, and Scott Hall wins. 
Um, and the last couple of matches, the way they've finished so abruptly makes me feel like they were running short on time. Yeah, it's weird. Normally they they don't cut off so quickly, but yeah, it's just very much... I wonder, did they have like a certain time they wanted to get to the second part of the taping? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that they were afraid of being kicked out of the building or something. Uh, next up, we have what I believe, Lee, was the segment that uh, you described as giving you life, mm-hmm. your highlight of the show. It's Tony and the Horseman. So I think I'll, I'll leave you to this segment while I catch up on some whiskey drinking. <laughs> I mean, what can we say? Tony does the big intro. He's like, oh, you know, I grew up here. I This is the arena I would come to. I'd pay to see the Horseman. And, you know, it gives me a great honor to introduce them. And we see the Horseman come out. They get an enormous pop as they would in Roanoke and let me tell you about their outfits because <laughs> oh boy are they some outfits well Dean Malenko was dressed like a lumberjack so we'll start with Dean he's got the essential stonewashed jeans for 1998 yep. he's got the long sleeve polo top which is like kind of like a, an, an off green, like an olive kind of colour. Yeah. And not only that, it has like kind of faded red stripes. It is very of the time. <laughs> very much. Then we get Aaron, who is just basic and black polo, black jeans, and he looks fucking amazing. <laughs> like he, look, yeah. he looks me in incredible shape, to be honest. Yeah. The world's buffest dad. Mm-hmm. Then we get Benoit who, for some reason, is dressed like a college kid with yeah. the um, baby blue shirt with the sleeves rolled up and the navy slacks. I mean, it's a classic combination. Can't fault it. He's, it's like he's heading out for... Um, I don't know if they call it this in other countries, but we used to call it rag week. I was just going to say, he looks like the, you know the first time gone out in college. That That's exactly the thought I had. So over here, I should probably explain it that over here we, we call it Rag Week, so R A G Raise and Give. Um, so there's usually like a charity named by your college that they're doing all sorts of fun activities during the week and and raising money for. And most colleges usually actually raise a decent amount of money for that, but people forget that because Rag Week generally, and most colleges have done away with it now because of this, were a an excuse to stop showing up to lectures for a week and drink like it's the end of the fucking world. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, I think it was one in Galway when I was in college that started the conversation about banning them because like a bunch of cars got flipped on the streets and shit like that. Um, I know in Maynooth where I went to university there was like uh, windows smashed and brawls <laughs> on the street and, and shit like that. And that was only was the locals. Like, it was a messy, messy week uh, to the extent where like, you know, even if you tried to go into a lecture, there was just so much going on on campus, you couldn't focus on shit. So the one year where I actually had to get work done when I was doing my master's, I just didn't go in that week. <laughs> There's no point. This is fucking chaos. But anyway, that was what Ben was fit, was guy going out on the town on Freshers Night. Mm-hmm. And then we get Big Daddy Rick. And he's got the baggy... I can only describe it as baggy leather jacket, yeah. which was very of the time. Again, the white shirt and the grey slacks. I mean, he he, fucking, he looks amazing. <laughs> I mean, at yeah. this time, the man could pull off anything. Now, not so much. Um, 
but yeah, like they just they just look like stars. Like the whole they they're all dressed differently, but somehow it all works. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, Aaron very sarcastically begins the promo with he wants to congratulate the six guys who beat up Disco Inferno. <laughs> yeah, which was funny. Like I enjoyed it because it felt like it buried the NWO, but also buried disco oh yeah it's like it should barely take one man to beat that guy such a backhanded thing like it's just like you know i doubt iron has much respect for disco not that anybody yeah. really does but you know um <laughs> so iron basically just says eric is afraid to give nwo hollywood to the horseman for some reason he's holding back from them and uh they want to know why and then we get very quickly malenko takes over Says it's been 20 years since he's been here in Roanoke. He was here to watch his dad wrestle. And he's happy to be back here as a horseman. He says his goal at the moment is to get Benoit back and fit in the ring. At which point we get um, Benoit taking over. He says Roanoke is a great wrestling town. But it's also a great horseman town. He says the dream, Bischoff's dream world of the NWR of. He holds up the, the, uh, wolf, the wolf ears I suppose. The two sweet sign. He says... Bischoff's dream world of the NWO, I'm going to say, gets crushed by reality, holds up the four fingers, and a crowd go yeah. apeshit. Anytime any of them hold up the four fingers, it's just... You'd swear, like you said, they just won the fucking Super Bowl in this town because yeah. they're just living and dying for the horsemen here. Mm-hmm. It's at this point we get Shivani doing the big intro for Ric Flair, and I think if he had let them this crowd would have just stayed here all night cheering Flair. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even do anything. He literally... I was cheering from the couch. <laughs> he literally just asked Shivani, was he really that young when he came to this town? And the crowd lose it. Like, he... <laughs> I don't know what he says after that because he starts strutting and taking off his jacket. He starts... He wants He wants Tony to strut with him. <laughs> yeah, there's a point where he wants Tony to take a walk with him. Um, he says they're calling H to go to DC. That uh, Jesse the Body has set a standard that only the Nate can follow. Um, but Flair says before he takes the big office, he wants to take Bischoff's office. And that's when it gets serious. So basically Flair just says he wants Bischoff's job because one day he wants to be able to tell Hulk Hogan what to do. And he says because it's because of people like Flair that Hogan has a job and that they watch what he does. And it's just basically, at this stage, it's just the fans gone fucking bananas. So, yeah, he's uh, he says if he has to waltz around the ring to Aretha, by God, Franklin, he's... <laughs> <laughs> Aretha, by God, Franklin. He said, I'm going to get Bischoff to R-E-S-P-C-T, the horseman. And, yeah, just it's fucking great stuff and he ends the promo in a fashion only the nature boy can get away with <laughs> he's just th- thrusting except like he, just as lewd as the scott and buff promo from earlier was his thrusting yeah but i imagine that ted turner would have seen it and started laughing because it was rick flair yeah but yeah he says to bischoff uh in your mountain chalet, look across, <laughs> look at your girlfriend and foil this. And he, yeah, as Dave said, begins trusting violently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like he just saw Lacey Evans in the crowd. With the eyes of an absolute maniac. Oh, I mean... Just popping out of his head. If you told me that Flair had done 15 lines before he came out here, I would fucking not doubt it. Because the man has so yeah. much energy. Yeah. It's just insane. Like, And it's just... I it, think they thought he was long past it. I mean, we say it every time they're on the show. How did they not go with the horseman? Yeah. Ah, oh, it's really disappointing. But like I, I'm I'm thinking if I'm that Roanoke crowd, right, and there was a lot of dross on this show, mm-hmm. but if I got ten minutes of Ray vs. Eddie and I got this horseman segment, that's money well spent for me. I mean, we've gone to shows and seen lesser than this and been come away. We happy. absolutely have. I don't know if on this show I've mentioned it, but I once went to a, an ICW show in Dublin, which was one of the worst experiences of my life at a wrestling show. <laughs> I'd have fucking taken your arm off for a Four Horsemen segment. <laughs> at least, at least oh, you didn't Lord. have to hear the Gala song. <laughs> oh, yeah. Simpler Ooh. times. <laughs> Main event time, and it's uh, Scott Steiner with Buff Bagwell versus Lex. Scott gets in the ring and recognizes Nick Patrick from the pay per view <laughs> as the referee that JJ Dillon sent out. I love that. He just goes over. I've been looking for you. <laughs> yeah. And this is the real, like, this is where the uh, Scott Steiner is out of control, kicks into another gear because he attacks the ref, hangs him up in the tree of woe, and starts bending his ankle around the top rope. It gets to the point where even Buff is like, Scott, stop. <laughs> uh, and. As he ignores Buff's cries, out comes Lex to brawl with the lads. Uh, They take Lex out and Scott jumps down. I love this. So as he's brawling with Lex, uh, the the medical crew are out and they put Nick Patrick on a stretcher. And as he's pulling away, Buff and Scott have taken out Lex and Scott hops out of the ring and just punches him in the leg a couple of times while he's on the stretcher. It was a real like, fuck you, where are you going? I'm not finished with you. I'm not done breaking your leg, sir. Oh, I really don't want to see Nick Patrick on the show to, like, Starkhead. Like, yeah, really sell it. really got to sell yeah. that injury. <clears throat> I want to see him, like, do an interview segment next week on Thunder where he's in hospital in a full body cast. <laughs> Go full, like, fucking full uh, Vince McMahon, like, show up in a wheelchair to referee matches. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, back in, the lads are all over Lex, choking him with his shirt and both attacking him with the head of a hockey stick. Okay, was it a hockey uh, stick? What? Was it a hockey stick? Because I thought it was a boomerang. No, the, uh, you and Bobby Heenan both thought it was a boomerang, but Tony corrected the record and said it was, in fact, the head of a hockey stick. Uh, the two of them kind of just brawl for ages, uh, even though there isn't a ref. They're acting like it is uh, like a hardcore match. Uh, what I find really funny about this is Buff, the dumbest man in the world, even though the two of them are brawling in the ring, he's just politely standing outside like he's not allowed in. <laughs> I mean, Buff respects the rules sometimes. Yeah. Uh, then Lex signals for it and puts Scott up in the rack. Uh, Mickey J finally arrives, but Buff attacks him. <laughs> so he stood politely outside until the ref arrives. And then, ah, oh, no, this is enough. Uh, he hangs up Mickey J. Rick Steiner makes the save for Lex and the ref. And those two goofs run for the hills as we go off the air. How about another WCW wrestler saving a uh, Wolfpack wrestler? Yeah, interesting, isn't it? I mean, it would be if they went anywhere, would it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In theory, it's interesting. But with the benefit of hindsight, it's not at all. Um, Lee, overall thoughts on uh, 
Thunder episode 39 um, and who are your winners and losers? I mean, there was a lot of filler matches, but they were short, so I don't really mind. Yeah. I mean, Jericho was kind of wasted in the match with Ikea, which is, you know, it's Ikea. But, I mean, that awesome fucking uh, horseman segment and the really, really good Eddie Ray match saved the show. Like, not that they saved the show, they made the show. So, like, this, this would absolutely be a show I'd have no problem going back to watch again. Yeah, it feels like, for me, like, if you're grading it just as a general wrestling show, it's on the lower side mm-hmm. of bang average. But um, you're grading on the thunder curve, it's one of the better ones. Because, like you say, the bad stuff didn't outstay its welcome, and the good stuff was damn good. Yes. Um, winners and losers, I mean, I think... Horace and Ikea have to be the losers because they both look fucking... Like, for different reasons, both just looked awful. Yeah. yeah. Horace looked awful, even though he won. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um... I mean, winners... I, it's hard not to say the horsemen because they just fucking... Or Glacier. <laughs> I mean, listen, Glacier got paid for that, so, you know, he, he is the winner. Um, yeah. Nah, it's the horsemen. The horsemen just look so fucking... So far ahead of everybody else on the show. Hmm. No, I couldn't disagree with that. Um, your finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Probably the biggest spread of results we've had so far. Uh, nine matches. Four clean finishes. One DQ or count out. One interference leading directly to a finish. Two no contests and one draw. Are you counting the Cat and Kaz as a match? Uh, because... Uh, at, uh, the TV taping had it listed as one of the matches for the night so it technically was supposed to be a match amazing <laughs> but it was a no contest so there you go thanks to our friends at Cage Match for that one <laughs> so there you are um, yeah that brings to a close another episode of Thunder and in spite of you know maybe you'll see between the seams uh this episode was a struggle to finish not because of the episode but because uh we had numerous technical difficulties throughout but we managed to keep our cool and bring it in for a steady landing my friend so it's a, cheers to it, us it's I all think. well and good saying that before you've edited it yeah i know well put it this way either if they're hearing this i edited it but as i told you if they're not hearing this it's because i gave up and i've gone to live in the woods and I mean, listen, um, we can really pimp it out that, you know, if we don't release it, it was the best episode we've ever done. Absolutely. It's the Orlando Jordan's time machine of Days of Thunder. <laughs> Whereas if they do hear it, they'll know it's bullshit. <laughs> That's probably my most niche podcast reference I've done to this point. What, what's uh, that one? What's Orlando's time machine? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not uh, going to. I'm, I'm, I'll let the Thunder buddies do the work on that. I'll explain it to you. Off the OK. Air. Um, <laughs> Right, we'll see you all in two weeks for the 40th episode of Thunder. Oh my god. Oh, also, by the way, January has just ended. Happy anniversary, buddy. Two years. Amazing. Yeah, we were in between the last show and this one, we passed two years. So, happy anniversary, pal. We'll see you all next week. Can I get them two years back? (laughs) What? (laughs) Sorry, no dice. (laughs) Only seven more to go. Woo! see y'all in two weeks <laughs> thanks everyone for downloading another episode of days of thunder days of thunder is produced by lee malone and edited by myself dave ryan and available every second thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold you can follow days of thunder on twitter or instagram where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer we're at wcw thunder pod on both platforms 
I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past like the Worldcast through the years in the International House of Combat to wrestling of the present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine and the Truth and Busting Balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars